When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. One day away and Canty has come back a true believer. It is Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio and on the ESPN app. He is Mr. 305. He is Mr. Miami. He is Mr. Christopher Douglas Canty. You know, once upon a time, I was known as Mr. 305. Like before DJ Khaled, before Dwayne Wade, I was known as Mr. 305. I did not know that. Before a lot of different reasons, though. It wasn't for on the court or on the field excellence. <laughs> it was for off the court, off, off the field excellence. <laughs> we, we are Hello. Pre- Good morning. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. 888-SAY-ESPN is your way to be a part of the program today. We are in for Greeny. Uh, as we said, and let's not waste any time as we start to get ready for Game 3 tomorrow night. Here we go! Go, go! Only one place to start. We're not worried about what anybody thinks. We're so focused in on what we do well and who we are as a group. I got Ecro, and I'm going to own it like a man. <laughs> Damn it, I'm going to own it like a man. I said sweep. Sweep's not going to happen. The Miami Heat are a bar fight gone wrong. Here's what's interesting. The Miami Heat now, having evened up this series are still a sizable underdog. They were minus 280. Minus 280. Uh, rather, the Nuggets were minus 280 as of yesterday. The Heat at plus 230. And yet, Christopher Canty believes that the Denver Nuggets are in big trouble. Yeah, I do. Just look at the complexion of the first two games of this series. The scoring has been in the 100s or the 110s. I want to say that Denver scored 104 in their game one win and 108 in their game two loss. That overwhelmingly favors Miami. This is not a series that can be played in the 120s or 130s and the Heat expect to be competitive. It has to be low-scoring affair because the Heat just don't have the same kind of firepower as the Denver Nuggets do. The Nuggets have four wait, they have three lottery picks in their starting lineup in Aaron Gordon and Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. So you would think that if you're Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo, your first priority has to be able to get stops on the defensive end. They showed that they were able to do that in the first two games, and they also showed in the first two games that they're capable of generating open looks on the offensive end. Everybody wants to call the NBA a make-or-miss league, but it's truly bearing itself out in these NBA finals because the biggest difference from game one to game two for the Heat was that they were able to knock down the wide-open shots. Yeah. And when I say they, I'm really talking about the three role players that are the perimeter shooters for Miami, Caleb Martin, Duncan Robinson, and uh, and um, Max Struess. And, Ma- and, Ma- and Max Struess. No, yeah. not Gabe Vincent, Max Struess. Okay. And so those three guys in game one – they were 2 of 23 from the field, 2 of 16 from three-point land. Okay, game two, those same guys, 9 of 18 from the field, 7 of 15 from three-point land. In game one, the Miami Heat were able to generate 17 wide-open threes. That's three-point attempts with the closest defender being six feet or more away. They had 17 of those opportunities in game one. They only made five of them. Coming into the NBA Finals, The Heat 
were knocking those shots down at a 48% clip. That's the biggest difference. If they can make wide-open shots, then they're going to win this series. They're capable of generating those shots. They've shown that in the first two games. It's just a matter of those role players making those shots. And we all understand that in the NBA playoffs, role players are going to – they're going to be up and down. They're going to be inconsistent when they're on the road. At home, they play much better. Well, guess what? They won one in Denver – which no other team has been able to do with this postseason, and now they're going home for two. So I would expect that those role players that I just mentioned are going to be much more consistent for the Miami Heat in terms of their ability to produce, their ability to take and make wide-open shots. And that's why I'm saying the Denver Nuggets are in trouble. The calling card for the Nuggets defensively has been running teams off of the three-point line. All right? They had the best percentage in terms of opponent field goals that were three-pointers. They kept opponents to a postseason low of 34% of their shots being three-point attempts. That hasn't been the case in this series. That hasn't been. Miami has been able to get the three-point looks that they want in their offense designed by Eric Spolstra. They've been able to be able to penetrate, kick out to open shooters. Those open shooters just haven't made them as consistently as we've seen throughout the entirety of the playoffs. But going down to Miami, I would anticipate that they're going to see some of those kind bounces on those home rims And that's why I think Denver might be in a little bit of trouble because they haven't been able to show the adjustment to limit Miami's productivity at the three-point line. Okay, is Denver in trouble if this series goes back to Denver at 2-2? No. See, I don't think they are either. And and that's where I think we're going to end up in this. I don't expect Denver to go to Miami and win both games, but I don't expect the Heat to win both games either. And the primary reasons are, number one, I don't want to shortchange the Denver role players that we have talked about adding to their really good depth all along. And number two, the coaching difference in this series is nowhere near what it was last series against the Celtics. Michael Malone is going to do some things to adjust to what they did with Jokic. You and I talked about it prior to game two. The best way that you could play that was exactly how they played it, which was to let Jokic score but not let anybody else get off. And they ran blitzes, all the different things that they did with Jamal Murray. I expect Jamal Murray to play better. I certainly expect Michael Porter to play better because he was bad the other night. He has to be a lot better than that. I respect the Heat. I think this is a long series right now. But I, I can't sit here and tell you, and as much as this is frustrating, I said this to Freddie yesterday, I hate being conflicted Mm. because I I want this to be a long series. I want it to be as competitive as possible. And yet I still have trouble finding a way for Miami to win this game because I do think the Heat are are facing a team that is deeper than the teams they have faced before and it is better coached than the teams that they have faced before. I don't know that I would say that the Nuggets are deeper than the Boston Celtics. I don't know that I see that the same way you do. And the other part about it is... At least as deep, I would say. The coaching disparity, while it might not be as stark as what we saw in the Eastern Conference Finals, there's still a difference between Eric Spolstra and Michael Malone, and that played itself out at the end of the game, too. There's a reason why Michael Malone, with two timeouts in the hopper, didn't call timeout to advance the ball to half court, rather letting time run off the clock once Bruce Brown got that rebound. They let a good four or five seconds run off the clock. But the reason why he didn't take one of his two timeouts is because he didn't want to allow Eric Spolster to set up his defense. Yeah, I thought that, it was that, the right play. Well, you, you can say you think it's the right play, but that's an example of the coach 
in, in Eric Spolstra having an impact on what we're seeing on the court and the mm. overall strategy that Michael Malone is bringing to the party. Like, it, conventional wisdom would tell you, take the time out. You would rather have Jamal Murray be able to set up. You would rather have more time on the clock before you take that shot as opposed to how things played out at the end of game two. At least that's hindsight looking back 2020. But the other thing that I would say about this series and about those role players for the Denver Nuggets, I don't know that there is an adjustment to be made now that we're talking about the Heat lineup being bigger with Kevin Love being on Aaron Gordon, Bam Adebayo being on Nikola Jokic, and now being able to put Jimmy Butler on Jamal Murray. I don't anticipate Jamal Murray being able to get on track, at least not to the level that we saw in game one. He came alive at the end of game two in that final three minutes, but that was a frenetic pace that was more of an outlier in terms of how the overall game was played, and I'm not sure that they're going to be able to do that for a full 48 minutes. So when you have the opportunity to set up your defense and Jimmy Butler be the primary defender on Jamal Murray because of his length, I think that disrupts what the Denver Nuggets want to be on the offensive end, and that also keeps those role players from being active and being more engaged on both sides of the court because they're not getting touches on the offensive end. Canty and Carlin in for Greeny on ESPN Radio. Michael Malone uh, certainly agrees with your assessment of what we saw in Game 2 from his team. Let's talk about effort. I mean, this is the NBA Finals, and we're talking about effort. That's a huge concern of mine. You know, and you guys thought I was just making up some storyline after game one when I said we didn't play well. We didn't play well. And tonight, you know, that the starting lineup to start the game is 10-2 to Miami. Start the third quarter. They scored 11 points in two minutes and 10 seconds. And we just got, you know, we had guys out there that were just, whether feeling sorry for themselves for not making shots or thinking they can just turn it on or off. This is not the preseason. This is not the regular season. It's not round. This is the NBA Finals. And that, to me, is really, really perplexing, disappointing. And this is something that Michael Malone has done throughout the year. When things are not going right, he has absolutely taken his team to task, and they have responded to it. Now, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that that's going to be the difference in this series. Mm. I just can't find myself believing that these guys on that team that have done everything they have done this year are going to all of a sudden not be able to find themselves and not play better Yes, the Heat are good defensively. Yes, Jimmy Butler on Murray is a winning formula. How long can you continue to do that without them changing that up? See, to me, I'm just giving Michael Malone some more credit here that over these two days leading to the Game 3 tomorrow night here on ESPN Radio, that they are going to figure some things out where they will play a lot closer to their best game because they have not played that yet. No, they haven't played that yet, but I think in you saying that, you're taking credit away from the Miami Heat. Like, this is what the Heat do. Nobody can muck up a game like the Miami oh, Heat. Oh, I agree can with muck that. Up a game. Yeah. And so, if that's what we've seen overall for the first two games, if that's the sample size that we're working off of, what makes you think that the remainder of the games in this series are going to be any different in terms of the style of play and the overall Well, pace? because I have to look at the Nuggets as a whole from this season, and I have to look at Frankly, times before in the regular season when they played the Heat, when things have really not gone well, I know the Heat are different defensively uh, in the postseason. I don't know if you can maintain that level of intensity against that kind of team that moves the ball the way they do throughout an entire seven-game series. I, I'm tired of us moving the goalposts when it comes to the Miami Heat. We keep saying it. Well, I don't know if they can have that same kind of performance uh, in the second round after they beat the Milwaukee 
Bucks. I don't know if they're going to be able to have it in the tank after they go through a grueling seven-game series with the Boston Celtics. I just don't. We keep doing that to the Miami Heat, and they keep showing us the sum is greater than the individual parts. At some point, heat culture becomes a real thing, and we got to buy into it. We've already seen an outlier this series based on the, the postseason that we've just watched over the last two months. The Denver Nuggets haven't lost at home in the playoffs until they did lose at home on Sunday night. And I will say this, Michael Malone has this rallying cry and getting after his guys both private and publicly. What happens to this team if they lose game three on Wednesday night? What happens to their overall confidence? What happens to their belief in their coach being able to outline a path to victory against these guys from the Miami Heat? Here's, what happens, here's your biggest, what here's, happens then? Here's your biggest heat case. I don't even worry about the heat if they lose game three. But, but because that, I know they'll respond. Exactly. They've responded the entire year. They've responded the entire postseason. All I'm simply saying is this. You're basing your belief in the Nuggets being able to make the adjustments and bounce back in game three based on everything we've saw leading up to this point. All I'm simply saying is the Heat have to be their outlier because they've proven that you can actually beat these Denver Nuggets in Denver. It can happen. Are the Nuggets in Trouble, 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. Do you agree with Canty as we get ready for Game 3 tomorrow night? It is, of course, 7.30 on ESPN Radio, Eastern Time, 8 p.m. on East, uh, Eastern Time on ABC. Greeny is presented by Progressive Insurance. Save when you bundle motorcycle, RV, and boat insurance. Visit Progressive.com. The lines are open for you on that very topic. Are the Nuggets in trouble? One quarterback that Canty believes is in the top three in the league. He's about to get the bag. Greeny on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do. Big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who have experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com 
slash greenie today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash greenie, G-R-E-E-N-Y. Greeny, the podcast. Little bit of breaking news coming through this morning in the last few minutes, and frankly, a little bit unexpected that it would happen now, but let's get to it. PGA Tour, DP World Tour, and Live Golf announce a new formerly commercial ent- formed commercial entity to unify golf. In other words, all the litigation is over, and they are joining together to form one new massive commercial entity, an entity, and that is going to include the Saudi Arabia Public Investment Fund. So all of the Saudi money is now going to invest millions in, into whatever the new entity is. So basically, the PGA and Live Golf have merged. Yeah, this was inevitable, though, when you saw the disruption in the industry based on the revenue sharing model with the players. The PGA Tour was going to be forced to move closer to where the Live Golf Tour was at, especially with what Phil Mickelson got, what Dustin Johnson got, Brooks Koepka got to defect. The other golfers on the PGA Tour were seeing that. And I get that overwhelmingly the money for golfers comes from sponsorships, but when you see guys getting $75 million, $100 million deals to go to the Live Golf Tour, the PGA Tour had to do something. And with Brooks Koepka winning the PGA Championship at Oak Hill a few weeks ago, that only did more to legitimize the Live Golf Tour, and the PGA Tour had to do something. So this is a massive move. Of course, there's going to be fallout. It's polarizing. There are going to be people that are opposed to it because of the Saudi-backed money. But inevitably, I think this is the best thing for golf. We are going to get more into that in just a few minutes. Right now, though, we welcome in Dan Graziano, ESPN NFL insider. It's Canty and Carlin in for Greeny. Uh, Danny, let's start here with some sound from Jerry Jones in relation <laughs> to Always what good. the situation is with Dak Prescott. Uh, take a listen to Jerry Jones on the contract extension that either will or won't happen for Dak. It is not imperative for me to wrap anything up uh, at any particular period of time. We've got it right now to where uh, go to camp and have our year based on where we are contractually. Would you like to see the DAC extension done for the others just because of what that does? Not necessarily. Not necessarily. I'm not trying to give you a vague answer. It just is not a prerequisite. Pollard has nothing to do with DAC. All right. So what's your reaction when you hear that? Is Jerry trying to send a message in there? No, I, I think I think where they are with Dak is they already did a restructure for cap relief this offseason. So extending him now doesn't actually help them uh, other than, you know, maybe some cap relief in 2024, which they can wait till next year to, to do. So uh, I think what what I what I know about what the Cowboys are doing right now is that the the contract extensions they're focused on trying to get done this offseason are C.D. Lamb. Trevon Diggs and Terrence Steele, their right tackle. I think they'd do a deal with Tony Pollard if, if it was a favorable one to them, but I think they're also okay with him playing on that franchise tag number. And I think they're okay with waiting until next year to do a DAC extension. I mean, I, I think they've been very clear that they believe in DAC, and I don't think DAC has any reason to doubt that. I know if he doesn't get extended, we'll go into next offseason talking about, you know, well, what does this mean about it? But I think from a dollars and cents standpoint, they just have other more pressing business uh, to take care of than a DAC extension at this point. If they hadn't done the restructure and they needed the cap space maybe to do some of these other deals, 
then it might be a different story. But having already done that, they can't get any more any more meaningful cap room out of a DAC deal right now, no matter what they do. Dan, from one potential quarterback deal to another one, Chargers head coach Brandon Staley at the team golf outing yesterday yeah. said that contract talks with Justin Herbert are ongoing. Do you have any more insight as to where they're at with this and a potential timeline on a Herbert deal? Yeah, I think they'd like to get it done before the season. They don't have to. I mean, you know, they have the fifth-year option for 24. You could franchise them in 25. He and Joe Burrow are in the same situation, and I think they, they, they've had conversations. Both of those guys have had conversations with their teams about extensions, and no one would be surprised if it got done. I think everybody knows what the numbers are, right? You just work off of Lamar Jackson and Jalen Hurts and these new deals that have come in uh, this offseason uh, and decide whether your guy is worth a little bit more, a little bit less. It all comes down to structure. Like, is the player willing to do a structure that's beneficial to the team? the way we've seen in the case of Patrick Mahomes, right, in Kansas City. And, and, the, and the selling point the team gives you there is, well, it allows us to sign other guys and still be cap compliant. So um, if the player digs in the way Dak did a couple of years ago, then it can take a while. But I don't get the sense that that's what's going on. I think these are just negotiations that are progressing, and I wouldn't be surprised if either or both of those got done. Dan Graziano, ESPN NFL insider, joining us uh, I asked this question yesterday, I'll ask you, is there a disconnect right now for DeAndre Hopkins financially between him and what we're seeing, what teams are believing that he is worthy of? I think that's a fair uh, conclusion to jump to, right? Like, I don't know the details of what he's asked for or what's been offered, but I, I have been told that the Odell Beckham contract has become an issue, right? Like, like no one can believe the Ravens gave Odell Beckham $15 million uh, up to 18 uh, at that point in the offseason. So if DeAndre Hopkins is looking for that, I'm not sure it's out there. I don't know for a fact that he is looking for that. But if he is, which would stand to reason, he probably considers himself a similar kind of player, if not better, um, then I, I think it's going to be tough for him to find that. And so, yes, I think that's, that's a, a decent conclusion to jump to. Look, he, he just got cut last week. Um, the market is sort of slowly taking shape. We're in this point in the NFL offseason where teams are going to get through mini camps and then kind of assess, do we need do we need to go out and get something at this position, that position? And I think that's where uh, you start to see a market form for DeAndre Hopkins, and we'll see what the money ends up being. But it's entirely possible that the hang-up to this point has been that, that financial one you're talking about. Dan, Colts quarterback Isaiah Rodgers is just the latest player to get caught up in the NFL's crackdown on player gambling. Now, I know the league is trying to introduce programs to make players more aware of the policy and divert some of this stuff, but can you tell us a little bit more about the league's crackdown on these players and what we anticipate seeing in the coming weeks in terms of discipline? I think what you're seeing is not a crackdown as much as just sort of the, the, a changing of the landscape, right? Like, Sports betting is now legal in so many more places than it was a few years ago mm -hmm. that, you know, maybe there are players that think they can do it. Uh, but as a result of that legalization, there's more oversight. And so, like, if the NFL, if the NFL provides the, the, the uh, you know, the online sports books, for example, list of guys that aren't allowed to bet on NFL games, uh, then maybe more of those guys are getting flagged because there's more places where it's being monitored that closely. So... I think what you'll see is suspensions. And look, if if our reporting, you know, our, Stephen Holder, our Colts, our Colts reporter, is doing an excellent job on this story. Uh, so assuming he's he's what he's reporting is correct, which I do assume. Um, and if if Rogers was betting on Colts games, and I think he's probably suspended for the year, given the precedent we've seen with Calvin Ridley and other guys. Uh, so 
I do think that the league will continue to, to try and educate these guys about what is and isn't allowed, but I also think that the suspensions of other players should do that work too, right? If you mm-hmm. see guys getting yeah. suspended for this, yeah. then maybe you think twice. Dan Graziano, ESPN NFL Insider, joining us. Canty and Carlin in for Greeny, ESPN Radio, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Do the 49ers even care who plays quarterback for them at this point? I think they do. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying. They yes. feel like they have a pretty good chance to win no matter who's playing quarterback they, for them. They do. But that doesn't – I mean, don't minimize what they what they think of Brock Purdy and what he did last year. They mm-hmm. felt like he played at a high level. And I, I think if everyone were healthy, he'd be the starter. But we're hearing all about how Sam Darnold's throwing it all over the sure. place. And I know it's the offseason, but sure. still. Well, let me ask you this. If you were the 49ers and you thought Purdy was going to be back early in the season, maybe mm-hmm. by week one, as they've said – would you not be talking up Trey Lance and Sam Darnold so that other teams got sure. wind of it and maybe got interested in giving you something for Absolutely. one of those guys? Absolutely. So I think the Niners are in a good spot. Um, and I do think Kyle Shanahan is very, very good at getting the most out of his quarterback, whoever that is. But I think Purdy is the guy that they would prefer based on his performance last year. Dan, yesterday we saw a great leadership moment from Patrick Mahomes when he was at the White House with his teammates celebrating their Super Bowl victory, and he snatched the microphone from Travis Kelsey before he said something that was unflattering to him or to this current president's administration. (laughs) I, I, I was curious, from your perspective, what athlete would you absolutely have to grab the microphone from <laughs> on a visit to the get White House? I'm myself in trouble now. Somebody yeah. should take the microphone away from me. Uh, yeah, that was Mahomes' greatest interception. Uh, Kelsey, <laughs> Kelsey might be, the, I mean, Kelsey's probably a good answer. I mean, yeah. like, you know, I worried he was going to lapse into like the, the post AFC championship wrestling stuff. But uh, yeah, I don't know. He was great at the think. NFL draft, too, by the way. Right. Like, yeah. who would you be more worried about, Kelsey or Gronk? Oof, man, I don't know. That's a good I'd question. I'd actually trust Kelsey more I guess than Gronk. Gronk. Yeah, maybe there's fewer consequences. Gronk's out of the league, right? So like, <laughs> he's great point. He'd say whatever he wants. <laughs> I don't. Don't you guys think? Like, the more I look at that, I think it might have been set up. Like, maybe it was like you know, Kelsey going to Cam, do, our producer yeah. Cam thinks that too. I don't think that. Was I don't a think setup. that was a setup. Well, I'll tell you the way. The way that when the president is around, I've never been to the White House, but I've been to sporting events where the president was around. Like, they don't want you doing anything that they don't already know about. I, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm a, I wouldn't be. If, I'll tell you what, if it was a setup, it was executed brilliantly. I thought they did a great job with it. Uh, Last one. Where do you come down on the unexpected pop-in? In other words, you're hanging at home on a Sunday, and a buddy of yours either drops you a text, says, hey, I'm around, pop in, yeah, or just pops in. Your thoughts? I think it's fine. I mean, it probably depends on your relationship, right? Like what level of buddy we're, we're talking percent. about. Yeah. But I mean, you know, the people that popped into my head when you said that, I, I think it'd be all right. I mean, I, yeah, I think it's, I think it's okay. Yeah. I, I, we're going to get into it a little bit more later. I, I was doubting myself a little bit. I, I, I did it this weekend. You did and the pop in. You I were did the, the you pop in the myself. Inner. And I have to say, like, if somebody did it to me, I'd be kind of annoyed. And huh. yet still there I was <laughs> doing it nonetheless. Yeah. Did you ever have a Kramer? Like somebody would just come in your house without knocking. We, we had one of those when I lived in Florida. When I lived in Florida, we had a guy that would just just roll in the apartment, just like because open the of door. course you did. You lived yeah. in Florida. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I remember who it was too. I, I can tell you, but I'm, I'm going to have to keep it secret. <laughs> Danny, appreciate it, man. Florida right. man pops into Graziano's That's house exactly unannounced. Right. Stunning, stunning. Appreciate it, man.
Thanks. Dan Graziano, ESPN NFL Insider, joining us. Canty and Carlin in for Greeny on ESPN Radio, as we told you a few minutes ago, and we're going to get to in about six minutes. The PGA Tour and Live Golf have announced that they have merged to form a new commercial entity to unify all of golf. We'll get into the machinations of that in just a moment. We were talking at the beginning with Dan about the potential of the uh, Dak Prescott uh, contract extension with the Cowboys. Mm -hmm. And then there's Justin Herbert, who Brandon Staley told reporters yesterday that contract extension uh, talks are currently ongoing. So you would think that's going to get done here relatively soon. I would personally believe that Joe Burrow is going to be the last of the group of these guys that we expect to get contract extensions done here uh, in the coming weeks. How many quarterbacks right now are you taking ahead of Justin Herbert? Well, first of all, I don't think Joe Burrow is going to be the last of the group. You don't think so? No, I think it's going to be Pat Mahomes. Okay. I think Mahomes is going to go after those two guys because Mahomes already got his first contract extension. Okay, that's fair. Now, the, the Chiefs brass have let it be known they want to do a deal sooner rather than later to compensate Pat Mahomes because I think he's the seventh highest paid quarterback. Yeah, which is NFL, absurd. Which is absolutely know. ridiculous. Yeah. He needs to be the highest paid player in the league. I, wasn't, I was thinking more in terms of the third-year guys. Gotcha. Yeah, so, yeah. so I, I, would think it would go, I would think it would go Herbert, then Burrow because yeah. I, would, I would prioritize those players – um, in reverse order, I think Joe Burrow is the better of the two quarterbacks, so I think he's going to make more when you start comparing their two contract extensions. But make no mistake about it, with the new revenue streams that the league is anticipating coming online in 2024 and the salary cap due to skyrocket even more so than it did this offseason, those teams are incentivized to do those deals before the start of the season. Yep. And so if you want to get it done sooner rather than later because it's ultimately going to be cheaper for the team, then what concessions are you willing to make with the player? Now, we are talking about the structure of the Deshaun Watson deal and how that's an outlier, and based on what we're seeing from Jalen Hurts and Lamar Jackson, it feels like it's going to fall in line with that. But could we see Justin Herbert and or Joe Burrow decide to hold firm in terms of wanting an alternative to the traditional contract structure that we've seen from players' deals hmm. in the last couple of years? With the way things are right now, how many quarterbacks in the league are you taking ahead of Justin Herbert? Let's see. I would take Pat Mahomes ahead of Herbert. Right. I would take Joe Burrow ahead of Herbert. And right. I think that's the list. Lamar Jackson? I can't, I can't say that definitively. Depends a lot on what, what, what I have around him. But if all things are equal, I would probably go with Herbert because I would feel like there's more versatility in his game in terms of the different kinds of offenses that I could run. Jalen Hurts? No. Really? Yeah. I don't think Jalen Hurts is a more talented player than Justin Herbert. Wow. I don't. Josh Allen? No, he gives the ball to the other team too much for me. I'll, I'll, just, I'll, I'll throw one last one in. That's the list. Yeah. That's the list. It's definitively Pat Mahomes and Joe Burrow. After that, I think you can make an argument Justin Herbert is the third guy. See, for me, I, I, I would put the other two in front of him. I would put Lamar in front of him, and I, just based on track record and what he's done so far, and not that Herbert hasn't been amazing, I'd, I'd love to have Herbert as my quarterback. And then Both I would of also, those two players are Jaylen with Hurts, better though. organizations, though. Both of those players are with better organizations. So you're feeling like Herbert could be even better Herbert, if he was with Herbert's a better Herbert's got to overcome Brandon Staley. 
Do we like all of the coaching decisions that we see from Brandon Staley? We don't like many of them. That's my point. So yeah. how many, how many just like how many of the quarterbacks that you just listed have to overcome their head coach and have to overcome the deficiencies of that franchise? Not very many. I look at Baltimore, the model for stability over the last two decades in the league. I look at Philadelphia, same damn thing. You can't say that for the Chargers. Are you kidding me? No, I understand that. I, I and Herbert's great. The other two just have accomplished a little bit more. And Herbert because they're the in playoffs. more stable situations and they have better supporting casts around them. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really doesn't want to start their day with a fresh hot waffle tonight la quinta tomorrow you shine book direct at lq.com this podcast is proud to be supported by jets pizza the number one pick in detroit style pizza why it's simple jets is better with the thickest crispiest cheesiest detroit style pizza in the country there's no competition right now get five dollars off any eight corner pizza with code eight save that's the number eight s-a-v-e Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Greeny, the podcast. Kepka taps in for par. Brooks Kepka is the winner of the 105th PGA Championship. To win a major is always a big deal no matter where you're playing. And I think all it does is I just think, I guess, validates it for myself. If you thought that somehow the guys who were on the Live Tour forgot to play golf, forgot to know how to play golf, mm. or because they weren't playing a, you know, what you would think was a higher level of competition, just the guys on that tour. Like, I thought that argument was always silly. Now, yeah. Of course, if they're going to be in there, they are among the best golfers in the world. But the news as of this morning, in case you have not heard yet, the PGA Tour, the DP World Tour, which is basically the PGA European Tour, and the Public Investment Fund of Saudi Arabia, in other words, Live Golf, have announced a newly formed commercial entity to unify golf. Look, let me read Jay Monahan, the PGA Tours commissioner, um, statement here. Mm-hmm. After two years of disruption and distraction, this is a historic day for the games we all know and love. The transformational partnership recognizes the immeasurable strength of the PGA Tours history, legacy, and pro-competitive model and combines it with the DP World Tour and Live, including the team golf concept to create an organization that will benefit golf's players, commercial and charitable partners and fans. Going forward, fans can be confident that we will collectively deliver on the promises we've always made to promote competition of the best 
in professional golf and that we are committed to securing and driving the game's future and making as much as humanly possible in an ungodly amount of money. Yes, I added that last part to myself. <laughs> that, that well, well, let me say this. First to the beginning part of that statement when he call, talks about disruption and distraction. Now, it is true. The Live Golf Tour disrupted the PGA's model when it comes to revenue sharing with players. Mm-hmm. The players get more of the pie with the Live Golf Tour as opposed to what the PGA was willing to share with players. Okay, so there's that. The distraction aspect over the last couple of years is solely on the PGA. They're the ones that decided to make it an adversarial relationship with the Live Golf Tour because you had so many guys defecting and looking at the numbers that were being thrown around, the amount of money that these guys were being paid to come join the Live Golf Tour. The PGA Tour has routinely allowed golfers to play in other tours around the league when they're not in season. Mm-hmm. You, you've seen all that they played in leagues in Europe, they played in leagues in Asia. They, they let players play in other leagues. But it was this particular league that they chose to take an adversarial stance against. Why? Because of the amount of money that the Live Golf Tour was willing to share with the actual players. The PGA Tour was resting on its laurels and resting on tradition and allowing the sponsors to do the lion's share of the work when it came to players making the big money. Now it's a situation where the PGA Tour has to be on the hook for compensating the players their value to the game and expanding golf. So they have to fix that. And there, there's no question that from that standpoint, for the players, it's a huge benefit. I'm not going to argue that. But it's, oh, it's long overdue. This is something that the PGA Tour is doing, kicking and screaming. Like This is something that they've been resistant toward for years now. Yeah. And it but- took somebody, it took the live tour being willing to throw around this kind of money in order to move them and get them uh, to okay, this Okay, but let's also acknowledge... That the Live Tour needed this, too. The Live Tour, Chris, I mean, a few weeks ago, they could not get a television deal to save their lives. They finally get one on the CW. And we're talking about a playoff that involved Dustin Johnson a few weeks ago where they took it off the air at 6 o'clock Eastern time when it was over. To, because, and they weren't showing the local news. They were showing, you know, whose line is it anyway repeats. They, they, that's how bad that the situation was as far as fans paying attention. So, listen, I think we could agree that everybody, for the benefit of everybody, this is better for golf. I'm not going to sit here and tell you, though, that I'm going to back off the idea of when I see that the Saudi Arabia uh, Public Investment Fund is going to be investing billions in this new entity, I'm still not going to feel good about where that money's coming from. Because of everything that has happened, that to me is where the PGA Tour now feels very hypocritical. Because they were very comfortable making that part of the discussion, and now that's over with. Well, it's a global economy, right? I mean, all of this money in terms of how it's generated and in, in the different revenue streams, they're all interconnected, especially when it comes to the realm of sports. <laughs> but some are more publicly out there than others about that. That's all. I, 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 don't, I don't even know how to respond to that. Well, it's, just, I guess, it's my feeling on it. That's all it is. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, but like, I don't want to go too far into right. the weeds. All I'll simply say is this. It makes sense in terms of growing the game of golf for the PGA Tour and the Live Golf Tour to merge. And I'm glad that the PGA Tour changed its stance in terms of embracing what the Live Golf Tour can bring to the game overall because now you're talking about bigger revenue streams to compensate the players 
what they're actually worth. Yeah. The players are the ones that are growing the game of golf for the PGA Tour and other tours out there. And it's only right that the players be compensated as such. If you've noticed, uh, Rory McIlroy has been very quiet in the last few weeks. I wonder yeah. if that's why. If he knew something was coming down the path. Well, I'm Either- just looking at the guys that could have made a lot of money with the Live Tour knowing it merged. Thanks for listening to Greeny the Podcast. You can listen live each weekday morning at 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio. Or watch the show through the Watch tab on the ESPN app. Also catch Greeny on Get Up weekday mornings at 8 on ESPN. And also available wherever you get your podcasts.